KRXO FM and KRXO HD Oklahoma City. KRXO Claremore Tulsa, a product of Tyler Media, reaching over 1 million Oklahomans every week. Now, TotallyTickets.com presents the Franchise Oklahoma City Thunder First Take Postgame Show on 1077 The Franchise and 1079 The Franchise Tulsa. If you're driving home from work, if you're just getting back from the club, I don't know, maybe you were nude sunbathing somewhere and weren't paying attention. But the Oklahoma City Thunder go down two games to nothing as they lose to the Houston Rockets 111-98. to And uh, it was not the blowout that game one was. We have plenty of voices, thoughts, and opinions to take you for the next hour. Remember, not obligated by the Oklahoma City Thunder. We can say what we want, and we'll tell you the truth. The best damn post game for your ears here in Oklahoma City. How's it going? It is the first take post game show. I'm Jerry Ramsey, uh, back on the uh, back over there in the Tyler Media compound. You got Ryan Chapman on the board. You got Chisholm Holland, fresh off the Triple M, and Madison Morris who did virtual scrumming like no one else does. And actually, Chisholm, since you're already warmed up, uh, we'll start with you. One, I, I don't know how much of the game you got to listen to or watch, so I'm trying to be respectful of that because uh, we appreciate you joining us. And while you were doing the show, stuff was going on. I want to actually hear your thoughts on the game, just having to read off Twitter and just getting perspectives like in between doing the show and stuff. You probably have a more honest opinion that, that of what happened than the rest of us. Just what are your thoughts? I mean, I thought this game was really one that we're going to look back on and just be nauseous about when we think about it. This, I mean, I think Billy Donovan's got the same reaction. James Harden has 11 points through most of the game leading into the fourth quarter. Lou Dort plays great defense. The Houston Rockets shot below 30% for the first half uh, from the three-point line, and their defense was porous, to say the least. This is a game OKC absolutely should have won. But two big runs, a 15-0 run in the first half and an 18-0 run in the second half, is the difference. I mean, they lost the game in the stretch of about six minutes between the two different runs that the Rockets went on, and that's all she wrote. And it's going to be one of those things where I'm sure Chris Paul is beating himself up about it because those two runs happened entirely while he was on the floor, and a majority of them was Shea on the bench. I think if you would have told me coming into it, Lou Dort looks like he is going to be able to slow down, no one stops, but slow down James Harden. The defense for OKC is going to do is going to be better because the Houston Rockets won't shoot as well, and Shea Gills Alexander is going to have his best offensive performance in the bubble. I would have picked the Thunder to win by ten. Everything was there for the Thunder to walk away with this game, but two good shooting stretches from Houston in a couple of minutes in the first half and the second, and bad defensive possessions from OKC leads to what we got, and that's what you can't do against Houston. You can't fall asleep for stretches on defense, and you can't go stagnant on offense because nobody, and I mean nobody in the league, snowballs, if you know, I'm sure everyone follows that metaphor, snowballs like the Houston Rockets. And if you let them get going, it's hard to get them to stop. And like I said, I think when the coaching staff and Shea and Chris go down and they look at the tape of this one, they're just going to be nauseous because this was really a give-me, and I think the Thunder just absolutely choked. Now, this is why I love having Madison Morris around. Obviously, you were sitting there with the virtual scrums, and I think uh, Billy, Chris, and Shay were available. Correct, Madison? That is correct, yes. Okay, so uh, I kind of want to take something that Chisholm said there and talking about Chris Paul. Uh, how did he react? I mean, we're talking about a guy who has a ton of playoff games under his belt, so I know that there was no panic there, but how did Chris Paul react with uh, the situation they were put in? Yeah, pretty much every one of his answers followed the same guidelines, and it all kind of fell back on him. And I think that's a good thing like in a, for a leadership standpoint, standpoint obviously that's where he was going with this just saying like you know I got to be the guy that leads the way I have to make uh, my shots I have to call my plays I have to make sure that I'm doing what I need to do to better this team out there so they can see success and I get that to a sense and so at the same time I, I really do believe that this whole loss it was really just a team thing because like Chisholm was saying they let the Rockets go on these runs they let all of their leads just diminish in front of all of our eyes and it was I mean, that can be discouraging to these guys, and they probably just lost a little bit of the confidence out there. But that's exactly what Chris was saying is just, you know, he's got to be better. He's really got to um, continue to communicate with these guys, and he's really got to con- uh, continue to encourage them. And so that just kind of slipped away from them today, and I really do think that was a big difference maker. 
Ryan, did they did the Oklahoma State Thunder let Houston have those runs, or in a way, do you think that they they just took over the game and Oklahoma State had no answers? I, I mean. Not not to be this way, Jerry, but I feel like it has to be a little bit of both. And the thing that we have to look at here is just the awful turnovers, especially in that second run. Dennis Schroeder constantly, constantly shooting Oklahoma City in the foot. And I think that the problem is that because of how Houston plays, because they can go on these huge runs just nailing threes, and of the just chaos that their defense brings... I, I would say it's insincere to put that all on the Thunder just because Houston have put them, put Oklahoma City in this situation. I'm just shocked that a Chris Paul-led team, that was where I thought OKC would have the edge. Chris Paul would be able to be the steadying force on the floor, slow everyone down, and and mitigate the, the just chaos that Houston plays with. But that's not been the case. And tonight we saw it, or this afternoon, whatever you want to call it, Steven Adams and Dennis Schroeder both. Four turnovers just by themselves. OKC another 13 in the turnover column. You can't have that and win playoff games. And the big surprise to me is uh, it wasn't a James Harden-led team. He was 5-16, 2 for 11, and just shot miserably for most of the game. Uh, Chisholm, this is Eric Gordon. This is Austin Rivers. This is Old Man Green again. Daniel House putting in work. Uh, the, the Oklahoma City Thunder are going to have problems uh, with these dudes. And I know that you've watched Houston enough to know that maybe Ben McLemore has a great game one and doesn't show up for game two, but then you have to deal with the house. Robert Covington hasn't necessarily done much, but he's a guy that can explode. Just eight guys in the rotation uh, for Dan Tony, but somehow the Rockets are getting dudes to show up, man. Yeah, I mean, the role players have been outstanding. and I think the shooting is what everyone's going to talk about. I think defensively, their role players have been out of this world. I mean, Houston... A bottom 10 defense all year, and they're playing like one of the better defensive teams in the bubble right now against Oklahoma City. Uh, P.J. Tucker, 4-4. Robert Covington, 2-5. of five. Daniel House, 3-8. of eight. Uh, Jeff Green, 3-6. of six. Ben McLemore, 2-6. of six. Austin Rivers, 3-6. of six. That's all of them from the three-point line. The issue, the, I mean, they would be shooting over 50% again today, except for the Eric Gordon goes 0-10 of 10 and James Harden goes 2-11. of 11. The, the best players on offense for the Rockets stunk. They stunk today. Uh, and they still found a way to win because everyone else was hitting shots. And that's kind of where you catch yourself between a rock and a hard place if you're Oklahoma City on the defensive end, is that you know James Harden can balloon up to a 60-point game at, at, you know, at a moment's notice, so you want to try to focus on him as much as you can. So you're going to give Jeff Green a corner three. You're going to give Robert Covington a, a three at the top of the key. You're going to let Ben McLemore chunk up a few of them, expecting them to shoot a normal percentage. But when all of these guys are red hot, red hot like they are, I mean, what are you going to do? Give James Harden layups? No, you're not going to do that. So you have to continue to do what you're doing and just hope these guys kind of cool off a little bit. And if you remember last year in game one against Portland, Portland shot the lights out of the gym. And the narrative going into game two for everybody for Oklahoma City was like, well, they're not going to shoot that well again. There's no way Portland will shoot that well two games in a row. Well, I don't need to tell you the ending to that story. They shot that well the entire series. If you let guys have open shots and you let them be wide open like some of these guys are today, they're going to keep hitting them because they're NBA players. Jeff Green is not a 50% three-point shooter, but he is in this series because all the threes he takes, no one's within 10 feet of him. And again, I get the you got to focus on James Harden. I get that you got to focus on Eric Gordon thing, but it... It's gone a little bit too far. I know they're caught between a rock and a hard place, like I said, and I know there's not really a right answer on the defensive end against the Houston Rockets, but they really are making it easy on these guys, and they're giving them wide-open three-pointers, and the role players are punishing. Again, to Jerry, to your point, James Harden didn't beat the Thunder today. P.J. Tucker did. Jeff Green did. It's the same thing as Game 1. Daniel House, who I assume most Thunder fans know exist but could not tell you anything about him, had 19 points tonight. The role players are who's killing the Thunder because they're forcing the ball out of James Harden's hand and the other guys are delivering. Madison with Russell Westbrook still on the bench with his uh, really cool Iron Maiden uh, (laughs) t-shirt. I thought that was kind of cool. That was really cool looking. Uh, you got a guy like Eric Gordon that's on the uh, that's on the court, and he has just been killing the Oklahoma City Thunder for two games now. Uh, There's a problem with Eric Gordon, and it doesn't seem like. They can, the Oklahoma City Thunder can find a defender to stop this guy. What have you seen from Eric Gordon? And then what have you seen from the Thunder that could possibly do something about this problem? 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, Eric Gordon, he's just been posing this threat on offense where he is able to knock down shots. Yeah, he didn't have the greatest um, shooting performance from downtown today, but he was able to kind of get it going in the first game, and then he was able to contribute at least double-digit points today as well. So that's really all that matters. The crazy thing about this is that if you look at the stat, uh, the, kind of the stat sheet from this game, you realize that Houston is doing just fine without Russell Westbrook. And it's kind of crazy because they have so many different playmakers. So, yeah, what Oklahoma City needs to do to contain guys like Daniel House or Robert Covington, Eric Gordon, even guys like Jeff Green, they need to just they need to take away these opportunities from these guys where they feel comfortable because you see guys like Eric Gordon and Jeff Green, they're finding all of those open opportunities to really knock down some shots that maybe they're not normally comfortable with, but it's almost as if Oklahoma City's giving them that opportunity to take them. And I think that right now they have a lot of confidence instilled in them. They have a lot of good opportunity to just be dominant on the offensive end of the ball. And so that's that's really what's taking away from Oklahoma City being able to clamp down on defense because Houston's just rocking with a lot of confidence right now. And it's it's really benefiting them. And so, yeah, Oklahoma City, they have to be more forceful. They have to keep the same energy and the same fire on both ends of the ball all 48 minutes. And that was kind of a big thing in the postgame scrum today was that they haven't put together a complete performance in two games now, and that's a problem. I know that everybody was a little easy on them the first game, saying, oh, it's only game one, like they're going to get it figured out. Okay, but now it's game two, and they dealt with pretty much the same problem. They upped the energy a little bit, but they still haven't put together a complete game, and that's going to be uh, pretty detrimental to them moving forward. You're listening to the Thunder First, uh, the Thunder, the Thunder First Take Plus Game Show. I'm Jerry Ramsey. Uh, that is Chisholm. Uh, that is Madison, and that is Ryan. We have you covered from the root to the toot. Uh, we absolutely have a passion for the Thunder, and appreciate you tuning in and listening. Uh, the Thunder lose today, 98 to 111. Go down two games to nothing to the Houston Rockets. Ryan. We have trended negatively towards the Thunder because they lost, obviously, for the first 10 minutes of our show. I'm going to give you uh, the first crack of giving us something positive from this game. What's the most positive outtake you can uh, take from this? So, uniforms look great. There's that. There's that. <laughs> hey, oh wait, seriously, did Schroeder shoes? Someone needs to tell me what shoes they are. I want to buy them. They're incredible. That's my big takeaway. All of Shay's Converse have looked great in the bubble as well. But I think the big thing is we talk about Lou Dort. He did a great job on James Harden as he did during the regular season. And I really think that this can be a key in the film room going into game three. Because in my opinion, the problems in game one with, with leaving the role players just wide open was that knowing you're down Lou Dort, probably your best on-ball defender, everyone seemed to have... Uh, one part of their mind looking toward James Harden in, in case Schroeder or Ferguson got blown by. Everyone's trying to crash. And, and I felt like that led to poor team defense. Today, you kind of saw the same thing, but I truly feel like Lou Dort putting that on tape, Billy Donovan, and to an extent Chris Paul, you would hope as another voice, can say, guys, James Harden is one of the best scores we've ever seen, yes. But Lou Dort does about as good a job defending on him as anyone in the world. Just let Lou do his job. If Harden gets 30, that's not going to kill us. If we play great team defense and mitigate all of the role players, they will start to look like role players again. So I think that, yes, you're down 2-0, all that, but not all is lost. Lou Dort put enough great tape on display today to maybe give the Thunder some faith and they can rediscover that great defensive identity by just playing good team defense and not being so worried about James Harden because like James Harden's going to score points. That's what he does. The dude gets buckets. You just have to mitigate everybody else. So I don't think all is lost for this Thunder team. Real quick, I want everybody to go around the horn, give their uh, give their their Twitter handles. I just saw your text, Chisholm. You can hear me breathing. <laughs> well, that that is so sweet. Thank you. That was like normally not for the air, but the microphone's too close to your mouth in case you're curious. I, I can I can hear you breathing too. Oh, it's like it's like a Faith Hill. Song. It's almost like you're here, but you're not. See, here I was. I was just gonna wait <laughs> till the break to tell Jerry it's being too loud oh with the breathing gosh. over there. Guys, just stop breathing. Like, oh. <laughs> that's you know what? You're not the first person to tell me to stop breathing. At Chisholm uh, Holland on Twitter. <laughs> there you go. At what is it? At Chisholm Holland. Okay, Madison. I am at Madison Morris M A D Y S S O N. Spell it right, or you're not gonna follow me. Ryan at Radio's Ryan. Okay, and I am TV's Jerry at Woj ESPN. 
So if you if you want to tweet how terrible I, I am, I think he's doing okay on his follower account. I don't know if he needs help. There. I don't know. I you know between the f bombs and listen, I understand. I have an open mic too, so you know. Somebody don't do me wrong back there whenever I start cussing during the break, yeah, all right? It's, it's too open, as we've discussed. Stop breathing so hard. <laughs> Chisholm, do you have something positive you want to take away from this game going into game three? Well, I mean, my big... T- so going into the game, game two, I can't believe... I, everything I said that I wanted to see from the Thunder to lead to a victory happened, and the biggest one was Shea looked horrendous in game one. I thought he looked so out of sorts and so uncomfortable on both ends of the floor. He was outstanding today. I mean, he was really, really good, and... As I mentioned earlier, Houston went on two big runs, both of them with Shea on the bench. When the offense was humming at its highest degree, it's because Shea was at the charge. A couple step-back threes here and there, getting to the rim, 11 free-throw attempts. He and Danilo Gallinari are the only two starters who took free-throws for OKC. I think that says a whole lot about how aggressive this team was because Dennis Schroeder only took two himself. Nobody was getting to the line outside of Shea, and that's usually where Chris Paul lives, is at the free-throw line. He didn't get one free-throw attempt. I thought Shea was by far the best player on offense today. I thought he was very, very aggressive and kind of got back to what makes Shea great. Get to the rim, shoot free throws. I thought he was outstanding. And truthfully, if, again, if you would have told me, hey, Lou Dort's going to play great defense on James Harden. Shea Gills-Alexander's going to have 31 points. I would have thought the Thunder were going to win. I, I think that is a really positive sign if you're looking for it, is that now they can go to the film room and say, hey, Dennis Schroeder, Shea got 31 because he went to the rim a whole bunch. Hey, Chris Paul. Shea got 11 free throws because he went to the rim a whole bunch. Maybe you two guys should consider that as as opposed to taking jump shots. I think it's clear how to attack this Houston defense. Shea was just the only guy who did that today. So if I was looking for a positive, I think the the, the textbook or the, the attack plan has been written out. It's just only being executed by one guy right now. And if you think that the Orlando Magic were going to take a 2-0 lead on Milwaukee, uh, they're going to have a long climb in the second half right now. Milwaukee is up 59 to 41, 44 seconds left in the second quarter. Maybe it's my fan. I have like three fans around me that's like blowing on me. Do you hear that? Or is it seriously like. No, it's just you breathing. Because <laughs> it sounds like I have apnea, doesn't it? Hey. It sounds like you're hey. a smoker, yeah. <laughs> Sleep apnea is a very real problem at this it, station, I, especially. <laughs> Chill. I know it is. Who has apnea at the station? Me. Oh, do you really? Do you have a CPAP machine? Yes, I do. I have a fire. You're not pilot even in terrible shape. I would I never, yeah. ever, ever ask a woman to stay over if I were you, Chapman. I, I want to stay at their place. I had a CPAP machine before I was 21. That is the life I live. Sad. Congrats. Uphill battle for you, but I'm cheering for you, man. Holy! Do you put that in your Tinder uh, bio? Yes. First, first line. <laughs> first line. One seven seven. The franchise. Uh, that is Chisholm. That is Madison. The CPAP. And I am TV's Jerry. When we get back, can we stop? I'm going to start calling you CPAPs, Ryan. I just, we're not getting away from that now. <laughs> Look, I, I, I figured it out. I just need the first line of my Tinder bio, uh, tends to write checks, body can't cash, and just selfie with a CPAP machine. Nail it. <laughs> we're going to shove John Hamm to the show whenever we get back. You're listening to the First Take Post Game Show on 107.7 The Franchise. Back to the Oklahoma City Thunder First Take Thunder Post Game Show, presented by TotallyTickets.com on 1077 The Franchise and 1079 The Franchise Tulsa. If you're just joining us, the Houston Rockets lost 111 to, or one, apologies, the Oklahoma City Thunder lost to the Houston Rockets 111 to 98. Before we get back to your regularly scheduled programming, though, that Did was... Did you Tom Hanks this thing? What's going on? Well... Are you the captain now? Welcome. Welcome. Uh, before we move along, though, we do have my one bit of business for this segment. Now, a franchise NBA playoff scoreboard update presented by Bank 7. Like I said, Oklahoma City is now down 2-0 to the Houston Rockets, 111-98. Game one of the day, though, the Miami Heat also moved to 2-0, 109-100 over the Indiana Pacers. Right now at the half, the Milwaukee Bucks look to have bounced back a little bit here, up 64-43 to over the Orlando Magic. And then the nightcap, the one seed in the West, Los Angeles Lakers, down a game to Madison's Portland Trailblazers. We will see if Melo can come back and reign supreme. Jerry, it's all you, bud. Yeah, no, I, I didn't Ryan to do the scoreboard. I had to run down and get a Tapo Chico. I haven't had a Tapo Chico all day. I didn't bring one with me to work, and so... I'm glad you've incorporated this top, Topo Chico thing into your brand. 
Uh, the Temple Chico of my uh, my friends, John Ham, on the line right now on the Little Caesars Hot and Ready Hotline. John, how you doing? So, uh, first of all, shout out to my CPAP buddy there. I didn't realize I had my CPAP. <laughs> That's right. Uh, second of all, now I'm wondering if I should put some Topo Chico in my CPAP tonight. <laughs> I bet, listen, I bet you it would cure it. Whatever whatever apnea you have, the combination of the CPAP and the Topo Chico. Topo Chico cures everything. I don't know if you know that or not. Or it might cause my CPAP to explode. That's a possibility. <laughs> John, the Thunder go down 2-0 to the Rockets. Uh, James Harden had a crappy game. At some point in the game, Austin Rivers was the best player on the floor. Uh, this has just been a weird series, uh, and especially with today's game. Uh, what is your takeaway? Listen, we've been kind of negative, obviously, the Thunder down 2-0. We've been kind of negative on the show with it. What is a positive takeaway that you can give with the Thunder can take momentum going into game three? Uh, I mean, maybe it's Shea. Maybe it's just sort of him uh, bouncing back after a really bad game one. But, um, you know, and, and I'll, that's the positive. I mean, the other thing, Jerry, is that's going to kind of require Billy Donovan figuring out a zone or a matchup zone or whatever the, the Rockets are running. That seems to have been his kryptonite over the years. And uh, it, it seems like the entire Thunder team is befuddled by the Rockets' defense. So Shea ought to be, I guess he's going to be awesome to overcome that. Oh, Chisholm, you still with us? You're gonna, I thought you guys Oh, sorry. I didn't know it was my turn. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no, you're fine. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with John. I think Shea was the big standout here as far as the fact that he attacked the defense in the exact right way and was being efficient in a lot of different directions. And, John, I don't know if you agree with me here, but in the last segment, the fact that Shea took 11 free throws and Danilo Gallinari took nine, if I'm not mistaken, uh, sorry, six, but no other starter took any free throws. Nobody on the bench took any free throws outside of Dennis Schroeder, who took two. I think this really should give the blueprint to a guy like Chris Paul and a guy like Dennis Schroeder that's, hey, if you attack the rim, if you try to be aggressive in that way, you stand a pretty good chance of getting to the free throw line because the officials are giving us uh, that kind of a whistle. Or do you think that's something that only Shea can take advantage of right now? Because it just feels like Shea was the most aggressive on the offensive end trying to actually get to the rim and test that, you know, that rim protection defense that, truthfully, Houston really doesn't have on the floor because they don't play a true center. Is that a blueprint that the other guards can follow? I would advise it for Dennis, definitely, rather than, than going a few possessions with hero ball and trying to shoot the Thunder back into the game. You know, get to the bucket. Give that a shot. And I understand um, you know, sometimes the paint is packed. And you know, one credit to Billy Donovan that I'll give, uh, Hamadou Diallo played three minutes. And I, I think sort of realizing that, okay, something needs to open up the floor a little bit to allow Shea, uh, maybe allow the guards an opportunity to get drives to the basket, you know, maybe that'll help. And, you know, maybe Chris Paul and Schroeder will recognize that more the next game as well. But uh, I'll tell you, credit to the Rockets. Their defense has made the Thunder look very unThunder-like these past two games. John, is Mike D'Antoni out-coaching Billy Donovan? Because you start to look at this, and he didn't play. He did not play uh, Andre Robertson this game, right? He did play. Uh, Abdel Nader for 10 minutes. Very, very productive by Nader. Uh, one rebound. And like you said, three minutes for Diallo. It just it doesn't seem like Billy Donovan has like a a good idea and a grasp on how to attack the Rockets. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's uh, that's a big thing. But also, too, Jerry. I mean, I just think you know, I don't know if this is D'Antoni. I don't know if this is the Rockets themselves. They want it more. And I, I tweeted about this, and I hate to lean on these cliches, right? Um, but the Rockets are just playing harder. You just saw them, you know. Uh, just do all they could to box out Steven Adams. And Steven just could not, you know, get those tap-out offensive rebounds. There was one particular play where, uh, where I almost called him Jeff Gordon, but it's, uh, what's his name? Eric. Eric Gordon. Yes, Eric Gordon. Drove to the basket. Yeah. Drove, it drove, uh, Jeff Gordon also used to drive. But this particular Gordon drove to the basket. Um, yeah, all six foot two, six three of them. Missed a shot. Got his own rebound with four Thunder jerseys right there with him. Right, that's just out efforting OKC. So you know, at times OKC, I, I feel like was out executing the Rockets, especially on the defensive end at times. But I'll tell you what, the Rockets made up for a lot of that just by playing their hearts out. Yeah, I, I, 
Uh, yeah, and what I really struggle with here, John, is that Stephen Adams is playing 30 minutes in this ball game. He has eight points. This is coming off game one where it seemed like he was almost the focus of the offense for the Thunder. So I like that adjustment. Get back to what you do and let Stephen try to kind of get his points off the offensive rebounds. The only issue there is he got three of them. He had 11 rebounds total in this ball game. Jer- Jerry, I'd love to hear what you think on this, but this is a, a team that has the size advantage, and everyone's going to have the size advantage against Houston. The only difference is that OKC has a guy who at one point was one of the best offensive rebounding big men in the NBA, and he's not quite meeting up to that and really bringing that advantage to the table. Is that something that we might see OKC focus on, trying to take advantage of the rebounding battle in Game 3? Because so far, really, OKC has won the rebounding battle in both games, but not by any disparaging margin. And that's something that they should dominate, especially if Billy insists on playing Nerlens Noel and Steven Adams basically the full 48 minutes. John, I'll let you go first yeah, because it, I want to have the last word on size. Yeah, <laughs> of course. You, you're being um, the expert and all. Um, no, I, it is. Look, you know, Billy is going very traditional here. You know, very traditional with uh, with Adams and Noel and having a big man, having a rim protector on the floor. Um, but even Billy has talked about the you know, in the past, like you know, everyone has to rebound because the way with so many deep shots these days, the way the guys switch all over the place. Everyone has to rebound. So I think just sort of, you know, saying, well, we've got to have Adams and Noel out there for rebounding, I, I don't think is accurate. And, again, I think it is gumming up some things on the offensive end for those guards. So, you know, Billy did, again, make some adjustments. I personally think maybe he needs to look at less Noel. Before the series, I talked about Mike Muscala being an option for this team. I think Darius Baisley being an option just to open up that floor because I don't think you're going to surrender so much defensively that it's going to hurt, but it could open up a lot on the offensive end. And, you know, that's that's one of several things, and I'll, I'll let Jerry talk because I know how much he loves to. Oh, it's killing me that you kept on talking. Oh, my gosh, stop already. <laughs> uh, listen, the size on this thing – the easy conventional thing would be say you you know you have size on these guys and to be honest with you I picked the Thunder to win the series because I thought that they had versatile size down low I didn't know I didn't think that Stephen Adams was going to be that dependable but you have the size of Danilo Gallinari and I think I saw once where he turned and faces and shoots over a defender Chisholm but. Whenever you get rid of Adams and you bring on uh, Baisley or you bring on some of these other wings with size, you know, you're losing something. You're losing experience or you're losing toughness. And it just seems like the Houston Rockets are the versatile team in this series because no matter what the Thunder, whatever lineup they put, Houston attacks their weakness, whether they're, you know, not tough enough or whether they're not quick enough or whether they don't defend the perimeter well enough. The Houston Rockets, every single weakness that the Oklahoma City Thunder have on the floor, they're exposing it. And that doesn't matter size or anything. It's just, I think it's Dan Tony out coaching Billy Donovan. And, and Jerry, I'll, I'll, I'll piggyback off that just a bit. I mean, late in the game, when Billy wanted to go back to the three guards, he took Dort off the floor instead. I felt like probably pull Adams at that point. Leave Dort on the floor because right after that, James Harden gets five quick points. Yes, you want to get the three guards on the floor because they play really well together. But you know that's that's the sort of thing. It feels like Billy is sticking to to being too rigid here with his positions, and or rather than just putting the right guys out there to attack Houston at this point. Yeah, and John, I think you hit on basically what I was going to say here is that. Billy's kind of caught between a rock and a hard place before the game starts, right? Because we know what Houston's going to do. And their entire strategy, while most people just summarize it as they're trying to shoot as many threes as possible, which is a part of it, they're also trying to play a style of basketball that forces one of your best players off the floor, which in this case is Steven Adams or potentially Danilo Gallinari for this OKC Thunder team. That's what they're overall... They want your one of your best players to not be able to play against them. And Billy has been a little hard-headed as far as not giving into that. And again, I get it. The thing is, is if Steven's going to play 30 minutes, he has to dominate the rebounds because otherwise he's just not providing enough on both ends. And if Nerlens Noel is going to play 15 minutes, he has to dominate the rebounds. Otherwise, he's not providing enough on both ends. And to your point, uh, John, I think we should see a lot more Danilo at center, see the four guards because that's what Houston's doing. They've kind of forced your hand at this point because Steven hasn't been able to punish them on the inside with offensive rebounds or the post touches that we saw in game one, and neither has Nerlens Noel. So the strategy for today is not working. What's the frustrating part for me is 
I think the obvious answer is there. I think Darius Baisley has shown that he can be some form of rim protection at a pretty, you know, NBA average level. I don't know where you want to rank him, but he can protect the rim pretty well uh, for his size. He can also shoot the three ball. Obviously, we've seen a lot of that in the bubble and stretch out on the other side. I think that makes sense. And then when you add Danilo Gallinari as a possibility, like you mentioned, John, as opposed to taking out uh, Danilo, or sorry, as opposed to taking out Dort, leaving in Dort and taking out Steven Adams. Now you have Danilo playing at center, which we saw a handful of minutes here and there in the regular season, but it's the same thought process. And while is that playing into Houston's hands? Probably, but playing against them or zigging when Houston is zagging has done anything but work so far. And were there stretches where OKC's offense looked good? Yes, there were stretches, and most of that was Shea. And were there stretches where OKC's defense looked good? Yes, most of that was Dort. I don't know if that was a scheme thing. I think at this point, you just need to try to worry about putting the players on the floor who can be effective. And most importantly, as much as I love Diallo, I I can't imagine he needs to play anymore in this series. And I know that they're looking for bodies. Abdul Nader also was pretty ineffective on the defensive end and totally irrelevant on the offensive in. I think those guys need to get away too. Every so often we see Billy really tinker with these lineups and he's playing you know, I think he ended up playing 10 minutes but or 10 players, but obviously Hami only played 3 minutes and uh, Nader only played 10 so you can't really hold that against him too much but I do think coming out in game 3, you just need to find your 8 guys you just need to get down to that short rotation because if Shea needs to play 40 minutes because he's your best offensive player, then Shea needs to play 40 minutes. You need to get your best players out there because when they're not, this team really gave up some monster runs by the Rockets that they just couldn't overcome from. Okay. Well, not only that, but just the stagnation on offense. That's what I talk about, just how the zone seems to like just be a complete mystery. Uh, just so much standing around. So when you do see, you know, Nader's put on the floor because he is one of the better shooters on the team coming off the bench, and he can do a few things for you, but if, if he's just going to stand around with the other four guys while one guy goes one-on-one, he's not going to do a lot for you. So, you know, Billy's got to sit down and the staff has got to sit down and say, okay, what do we need to do to make this matchup zone react? Um, how do we get guys in motion and how do we create some of the shots that they were creating throughout the season? Because they're just not there now. Yeah, and I think well, I think an interesting. Sorry, Jerry. Yeah, this can go to you as well. One interesting wrinkle that I would love, and I know that we saw him in Game One, and it was only for a short stint, or short stint, and he didn't really look like he belonged out there. But could could the bench just be Darius Baisley again for all the reasons I listed before? Dennis Schroeder is the obvious one. And then maybe using Andre Robertson as an actual big, not throwing him out there against James Harden because he got taken advantage of in the first game, and I just don't know if he's physically ready for something like that. But Because he's such a good cutter. And I think having someone on the floor who could defend the rim a little bit, try to jump out into passing lanes, and then just be just provide some motion on the offensive side of the ball by backdoor cuts and stuff like that would be such a revelation. I think they need to try to lean into that a little bit more as opposed to Nerlens Noel or even Mike or or even Muscala, who in stretches provide shooting, but also is a pretty, you know, stationary player on the offensive end. Yeah, it's an option, but to me, I just, I think you need to be able to create driving lanes for Shea. And I mean, as I mentioned on a, maybe it was the last post game show, during the season, he averaged 10 points per game on drives to the basket. Uh, that's where Chris Paul is going to be able to find those mid-range jumpers that are, that are his bread and butter, right? Uh, it's going to open up the opportunity for Schroeder to get in. I think they're going to have to come up with something to open up the floor and allow those guys to do that. I think the, the risk, if you put Andre out there, is you're going to wind up cramping things a little bit more because the Rockets just aren't going to guard him, and then if he's in the paint, he's going to take a defender with him. That's fair. Sorry. I just uh, saw Giannis Antetokounmpo just dunk over the entire state of Florida. So uh, that was a uh, pretty They're doing awesome. a good job on dunking on themselves lately, Jerry. I don't know if you've been watching the news. <laughs> but, um, Talking to John Hamm on the Little Caesars Hot and Ready Hotline. John, thank you so much for taking time out of your evening to talk to little Olas. All right, guys. Take care. All right, John Hamm. Uh, Thunder Insider. IQ just plummeted on this show, Jerry. We just we our IQ just plummeted in the uh, the aggregate. To put the, okay, listen to honestly pull back the curtain because that's kind of what I do all the time. Like you asked me, is like why are we having all these people on this show? And I'm like telling you, Chisholm, if you and I just did this show, dumbest show ever. Yeah, wrong? Uh, no, not wrong. No, not no, wrong. not wrong at all. So we had to add. You know, the class of Madison Morris. We have to add the wit of uh, Ryan Chapman, and we have to add the intelligence of John Hamm.
Yeah, don't forget right? Ryan's CPAP, too. That's a big benefit, too. Let's say the breathing issues is really... Well, hold on. Two CPAPs and a, and a loud breather. Yikes. That's uh, that's pretty impressive for a post-game show. Do we need to get Brady on the phone so we have a third CPAP appearance? <laughs> no, Brady's texting on the text line and acting like he's a listener, so we don't need any more Brady weighing in. Seriously? Yes. It's like we're telling him to back off. That's a high blood pressure. Like, people have strokes and heart attacks. Calm down, Brady. Take take a breath. Take one of my breaths. I'm giving them to you. And uh, enjoy the show because it's in good hands. And when we come back, we'll power up again. Madison will join us again. Ryan will uh, join us again. We'll knock down all your favorites. We'll give you a player of the game. And, yes, Chisholm, do you have a stat ready for the stat cat? Oh, am I here for the next segment? I thought my rotation was over. Are you? I <laughs> I, I really you? misread the depth chart in the minutes distribution here. I thought this last one was you, Madison, and Ryan, but I can come up with a stat cat, baby. I can now, listen, now listen, when we come back, and here's the mystery, and I love it, cliffhanger. Well, who's going to be left on the show? Find out when we get back on the first take plus game show on 107.7 The Franchise. Back to the Oklahoma City Thunder First Take Thunder postgame show presented by TotallyTickets.com on 107.7 The Franchise and 107.9 The Franchise Tulsa. The Thunder lose to the Rockets, 98-111. to The Houston Rockets, again, confuse and compound the poor Oklahoma City Thunder. Billy Donovan, right now, really, really, really thinking hard about what the game plan is going to be for Game 3. Game 3, of course, is going to be Saturday at 5 o'clock. And I believe... I see on here Fox Sports. I don't know if that's going to be. Is that going to be ESPN or TNT? I don't know anything about that as of now. If either one of you know better. Um, I'm not 100% sure about this, but I think he is switching off. It is the ESPN game. Okay, oh, yeah, ESPN. yeah, so it is going to be PM. ESPN. Yeah. Really quick, that's Madison Morris. That's Ryan Chapman. I'm Jerry Ramsey. Did you watch ESPN or Fox Sports? Uh, Ryan and I both watched Fox today. Okay, so you got you got the cager, you got Michael Cage and Chris. We did. Okay, I had Jeff Van Gundy, Mark Jackson, um, and Mike Breen. What a crew! It was a crew. That's a crew. Uh, And uh, the doctor, and and when I talk about the doctor, I'm talking about Olivia Punchel from the Daily Thunder, (laughs) was making a big deal on Twitter uh, about how they were kind of giving Lou Dort like that excellent defender tag. Giving him the, you know, like this guy is going to be, you know, all, you know, all defensive. He has all the makings of an all defensive player uh, going forward. I, I'm not that in love with Lou Dort. I just want to say that real quick. I know that he did make a difference in this game. Uh, I don't know how much of a difference he made. Uh, was started off shooting pretty cold. Uh, people saying what a great job he's doing on James Harden. I'm one to tend to believe that James Harden, James Harden actually stops James Harden but, more than anybody else does. I'll, like, very good. Ryan, good. You can jump right off the bat when I'm done with this. I'm just saying Lou Dort is a two-way player, a G League guy that played himself into the starting lineup of a team that's about to rebuild and had no real aspirations of getting a guy at that position. I'm not trying to say that he's no good. What I'm saying is let's cool the Jets before we start assigning Lou Dort all NBA defensive uh, stuff. But, Jerry, I was told after game one that Lou Dort is more important (laughs) to the Oklahoma City Thunder than Russell Westbrook. Are you telling me that's not right? Was that all caps somewhere? Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was all caps somewhere. Uh, all right, Madison. I mean, talk me off this. I'm mm-hmm. somewhere in between Lou Dort is the missing piece to Lou Dort is the two-way player that they're just shoving in there. Where, where, where is he? What is Lou Dort, seriously? And what's his potential? Yeah, you know, so I see where you're coming from uh, because I I think, Jerry, and write this down because this is no. going to be the one time this happens. I agree with you um, because oh, no. in a sense, like, I think Lou Dort is so valuable when he is in there because I think he plays great basketball. Like, he has a lot of confidence, yada, yada, yada. But I don't see him, like, on that level yet of, like, 
I, I don't know, just singing his praises, building him a statue, like making him the face of the thunder. I'm not really there yet with him just because I think he has so much more basketball left to be played. And like, I'm not going to take away anything that he's done so far. Like he has earned that starting position. I think he does a great job on James Harden. Chris Paul even said today after the game, it was amazing seeing him back out there and just, uh, I don't know, just everything that he can do for the game. It was amazing. Listen, I get it. Like, I think Lou Dort, he is very valuable. I've already said this, but he has a reason for being a part of the Thunder. He has a reason for playing 25 minutes today. Like, he is, he's great when he's out there. But at the same time, I agree with you, Jerry. I want to see even more from him. I feel like, you know, everybody was so big on Andre Robertson when he was out there, and he's a great defender, yes. But he's been able to prove that over a series of games. Now, I know he's not doing what he used to do right now, still kind of getting back into the swing of things. But Lou Dort, he he just doesn't have it yet for me. Obviously, I think the Thunder just played more sound basketball. I can't necessarily pinpoint that on Lou Dort's return yet. I think, yeah, he had an effect on the game, but I don't think that this game was just made because of Lou Dort. Uh, Danilo Gallinari in the, in the postgame said that uh... – he wasn't 100%, and he still gave his all. Like, And it was a real short answer. Danilo really not having it much today uh, with the answers. But, Ryan, while you go defend uh, your favorite Canadian, Lou Dort, just can we all take a breath? And I'll, you can hear mine. Uh, let's all take a breath and realize this was Lou Dort's very first playoff game. Uh, look, I, I feel like the expectations for Lou Dort are too high. And that's the fan base putting that on him. But I don't see why he couldn't be an all-defensive, all-NBA candidate. I I, th- I see Lou Dort as maybe um, what they th- what the Thunder thought they were getting in Andre Robertson to replace a Tabo Cephalosha. If this Thunder team, with all the draft capital and all the picks they've got, can make some moves to, to put some pieces around SGA, who we're assuming is going to be the core of this team moving forward, I think Lou Dort could be one of those top-notch role players who is not totally inept on offense, because that is what Andre Robertson is. I'm sorry, but he's not that. He's the guy that tonight, the Rockets left him open twice there in the fourth quarter, said, we're not going to guard you, and he sunk two threes. Like He's a guy that has proven through the scrimmages he can kind of be a little bit of a playmaker with the basketball, and like I think he's a very good on-ball defender, and, and I think if he does that for another year or two, there's no reason why he can't be an, an all-NBA second-team candidate, maybe not first-team. Uh, the key on Lou Dort, though, is what have we seen? Terrence Ferguson flashed his rookie year, and then the second and third time through, he's not been able to put it together. Like If Lou Dort can continue to play like this, I don't see why he can't be one of the, the better pieces, a role player, and, and I guess that just has a negative connotation, but I see that as a positive thing. He's not Andre Robertson. He is a guy that has a value on both ends of the floor, and that is what the next era of Thunder basketball is going to have to be because they're not built around Kevin Durant. They're not built around Russell Westbrook. You're going to need other pieces that can do more than just stand in the corner or play defense. And that's what I want Thunder fans to understand about Lou Dort is we're not putting him down, but to say that he's going to be anything sensational just might it, it's going to take a little while, and especially if this Thunder team, uh, if the bottom starts to fall out in the next season or two, you're really not going to praise a really good defensive guy on a team that wins 28 games. I'm just, I'm just li- listen. Who's the best defender uh, on the Charlotte Hornets? I mean, that's kind of my point. Is that that's what's going to happen with this guy? And the reason why Billy is depending on him so much is because he is consistent. He's not necessarily great at anything, but he is consistent on both ends of the floor, and that's why he's getting minutes uh, over Ferguson and Robertson. Like It just is. The consistency of those two guys who probably have a higher uh, physical ceiling, if anything, right? You know, We know that Terrence Ferguson can jump out of the gym, and the size is outstanding. Just the consistency is terrible. We know Andre Robertson, what he's done in the past, but, unfortunately, because of the injury and where he's at right now in his career, the consistency is not there. And right now, Madison, like I've said this entire postgame, Dan Tony, I think, is out coaching Billy Donovan because he cannot figure out, out of all the players that he has right now, and that's kind of one thing I liked about the Thunder going into the playoffs, is their depth. Yeah. He can't figure out the eight or nine guys to put on the floor, you know, 
to pick out to put the right to put the right five on the floor. It just seems like every time that he puts a five out there, there's there's something wrong with it. There's something that that's getting exposed, and it really is. I mean, Billy Donovan has a lot to do right now. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think Billy Donovan has some stuff to figure out, especially from these two games. He's going to have to take a lot away from that, and that's what he said post-game. He said, you know, I'm going to have to go back and watch a lot of film on this game. I'm going to have to really study and analyze it and see what went wrong. But here's the thing. What they dealt with in game one that put them in that weird situation where they threw out, like, 11 different guys was a lot of foul troubles. And I think against Houston, that's what they're trying to put the Thunder in. Like, they're trying to put them in that weird situation to where they have to use a lot uh, of different rotations and kind of throw them off, I don't know, like off their groove, basically, because they have to throw a bunch of different guys out there. So, yeah, it's just you're going to have to play smart basketball, and Billy Donovan's going to have to set up these plays for where these guys are able to excel and really uh, showcase what they're capable of, or else they're going to get in these foul troubles. Like, on Tuesday, when Nerlens Noel, he picked up three fouls in three minutes, and that had, you know, that basically put him in this situation to where Mike Muscala had to come in. And right now, I don't think this is the game for him. And so it's just a lot of weird situations. But I mean, you're absolutely right. Mike D'Antoni, he's analyzing that. He is like forcing his guys to go and pinpoint the Thunder guys and just put them in uncomfortable situations. And that's when Billy Donovan starts to panic coach in a sense. And so, yeah, that's just that's something he's going to have to work on and really communicate with his guys about. And, you know, to sound like a football player that's analyzing basketball, I just don't think the Thunder have been tough enough. I just, I'm, that is, I, honestly, I, I hate stuff like that, and I hate cliches, and I hate you can't break down a, a basketball game better than that, but sometimes this is a physical man's game. And when I see Austin Rivers get into the bucket, Eric, like I said, Eric Gordon's been a bully the entire series so far, uh, much less James Harden. You know what he can do. But when I see Daniel House, when I see these guys just straight line driving, there's an issue there. And I don't know. You know, Ryan, help me figure it out. When you have a mountain man like Steven Adams and you have size, Nerlens Noel, uh, you have size and Danilo Gallinari, and I know that, you know, I would never say that Danilo's a tough guy, but you definitely have some size there. Why is it so easy for the Rockets to get to the bucket, Ryan? Uh, the Thunder is shell-shocked, like plain and simple. We saw that in Game 1 when P.J. Tucker came out in the first three minutes and looked like he had no intentions to shoot the basketball. He was just going to prove that he was stronger than Steven Adams, things like that. Um, I, I don't know if it's a matter of Oklahoma City just came into this series and said they want to play small, so obviously that means they can't be as tough as us or things like that. Like I, I don't understand, and I don't get that, but... I think that on the defensive end of the floor, it boils back down to, and I know I said this earlier, but I really think that this is what happened in Game 1 and in Game 2. And I think to a certain extent, if Russell Westbrook returns to this series, that might actually help Oklahoma City on defense because there is no longer a um, one eye on James Harden and one eye on your man. You're going to simply have to trust whoever is the on-ball defender on James Harden, to do his job, and everyone else is going to have to mow their own lawn if Russell Westbrook comes back because that adds that extra threat. And I really just feel like uh, the intensity on-ball of people that aren't James Harden is not good enough. And I don't understand why the Thunder did not adjust to that once in the first game. I, do, I think they tried to do a little bit better job, and then they just shot themselves in the foot with turnovers and things like that, but um, they're uncomfortable, and that's what Houston wants to do. Houston wants to make everyone very uncomfortable with what's going on, and I think you have to credit Houston, though, because like Chisholm has said, the defensive output we've seen from the Rockets has not been what Houston is this season, and I think that you can just credit that to the fact that Mike D'Antoni can go in and say, look, guys, we made it to the playoffs you just have to give me everything you've got physically. You have to be active, active hands, getting those passing lanes on defense. And it's, and it's just led to just some boneheaded turnovers from the Thunder and easy buckets on the other end. But I just think it's a culmination of all those things. But OKC shell-shocked, and they have to figure it out. They've got, what, a day? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a quick turnaround. Uh, my chicken, Marcella, just showed up at the door, so we're going to wrap this up here pretty quick. Yeah, and get to the invite. <laughs> oh, seriously? Yeah. Yeah, seriously. This is a big. We are a pro chicken tiki show here. Yeah, I love chicken in Marsala form. <laughs> uh, in Marsala form. Yeah. I love it. 
but uh, what's the what's the classic game tonight? Uh, obviously, there's an OU classic game tonight. What do you got, Ron? It is the 2019 OU Texas Red River rivalry. Kennedy Brooks and the Sooners. Oh, easy, easy with that. Did you not get the memo? Oh, is he not? Well, he was there in 2019. <laughs> okay, I just just easy, Sorry. easy with that. Game three. Uh, let's look forward to that real quick. And uh, real quick, Ryan, go ahead and uh, give me just some of your thoughts. And is it going to be more of the same? I mean, the Rockets, like I said, have just made the right move. It just seems every single move in the first two games, uh, two big runs in this game, basically won the game. It just did with the eleven nothing run and seventeen. The seventeen to nothing run was just ridiculous. So, do you think uh, that Donovan has something up his sleeve Look, that maybe he can he can actually get something out of this? If it's not going to be in Game Three, this is going to be a sweep because I I truly think if Oklahoma City can't figure something out in this next day and you know some change until the game actually starts on Saturday, I I think you can put a fork in them. But I I have faith that Chris Paul and Billy Donovan can work through it together. Um, they were a lot better today about not forcing up threes in transition. That was one of my keys is the, the Rockets are going to go on runs. You just have to be content to trade three for two, threes and twos until they cool back down. I think Oklahoma City can figure it out and win game three, but what did, what did I tell you guys? was not optimistic that the Thunder would uh, perform in the playoffs. I, I think a gentleman's sweep is in order here. Okay, well, when the gentleman spoke, now the gentlewoman. Uh, <laughs> Madison, thoughts on Game 3? Yeah, no, I completely agree with Ryan. Honestly, if they can't figure something out on Saturday, then it's just going to get ugly because right now, Houston is just, they're too hot. They're, they can't be touched right now. Even though the Thunder played a lot more sound basketball today, Houston was still able to walk away with the win. So, I mean, they're going to have to figure it out because right now, everybody on the Rockets is contributing and they still don't have Russell Westbrook. So it's just, put a fork in. Real quick, Ryan, what's the uh, what's the schedule look like on Saturday or tomorrow? Uh, what do you, you want tomorrow or Saturday? I can give you both. Tomorrow we'll give you both. Tomorrow, one right. thirty NBA TV, and th- that's noon thirty Central Time. You have Toronto and Brooklyn. The Raptors are up 2-0 in that series. At three, we move over to TNT, where that highly contested Denver Utah series gets going. That game uh, series is split one all. At 5.30, Jerry, I know you're just, you are just—you can't wait to watch the Celtics and the 76ers go at it. Boston's I haven't watched up, one minute. <laughs> yeah, Boston's up 2-0 there. And then the nightcap at 8, again on TNT, we've got the Clippers and Dallas. And then leading into Saturday at noon, TNT, Milwaukee, and Orlando. It looks like Milwaukee's going to level that series here. That game's going on right now, 89-70 to in favor of the Bucks. At 2.30, Miami will look to go up 3-0 on the Pacers. At 7, or excuse me, at 5. Sorry, the Thunder and the Rockets as OKC looks to bounce back. And then at 7.30, the Lakers and the Trailblazers. We'll see what happens when that game tonight. Okay, Saturday postgame, just like uh, Damn Daniel, we'll be at it again. Is that a trendy reference for the kids? Damn Daniel. I mean, I guess. (laughs) I remember that. I kind of forgot about it until you just brought it up. But yeah. So that's a no. So that's a no. <laughs> that's why I'm the, I'm the hippest cat on the radio. Uh, Ryan, I appreciate you jumping in. Uh, Madison Morris, always a pleasure uh, whenever you do postgame stuff. Thanks to John Hamm. Thanks to Chisholm. Thank, thanks, to, uh, thanks to Brady. And before we get out of here, <laughs> what else should we do? The Franchise Thunder Player of the Game, brought to you by Volkswagen of Edmond. Pay the bills, Jerry. All right, let's just give it to Shea. He had 31 points. Congratulations, kid. You had your best playoff performance in a loss. Good job, Shay. Way to not have <laughs> single-digit scoring. As Drake said, we're so, we're so, we're so proud of you. There yeah. you go. And he's a Canadian, so it works out perfect. Oh, that's, exactly. That's perfect. All right. Madison, thank you. Ryan, thank you. Jerry, thank you. Topo Chico, thank you. Uh, Chica Marsala, thank you very Enjoy much. Mar- Marsala. <laughs> the the, uh, the OU Classic game coming up. Uh, and then also, stick around and uh, keep it here on the franchise. Todd and Eddie get you started at 6 o'clock in the morning. This has been the First Take Post Game Show on 1077 The Franchise.